your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle Empire. Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire. We're here to preview uh, Week Eight as uh, I, Steve Braun, aka Thumpasaurus, watch another team of mine have a poor showing against a team from Michigan. You are looking live at Steve's living room as we have a silent, have a muted broadcast of Monday Night Football on in the background. Steve is wearing a Packers shirt because that's his team, and I'm wearing a gray t-shirt because that's my NFL affiliation, not available. I'm not a Lions fan despite growing up in Michigan because my parents loved me. He's taking a long pull as he watched. That was a completion, wasn't it? Goodness gracious. It was indeed. Uh, anyway, the Packers are down 13-0 at this point, but it seems as though they've decided to try to move the ball with my man Geronimo Ellison. Geronimo! And of course, the first play we watched was the Lions kick a kickoff out of bounds after a field goal. Um, and we decided that it's... I've, I like the fact that the illegal kick out of bounds penalty is the same motion as false start because it's just, you know, it's like the refs are saying, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you didn't do it right uh, that direction. <laughs> and you pointed out that your favorite motion is what? It's, uh, it's uh, I think it's, I really like the intentional grounding motion because it's kind of like, hey, with two hands here, this is, this is not how you were supposed to throw the ball. You were supposed to put the ball in this other direction that's a little more in the air and a little more forward, yeah, not straight it, to the ground. You threw it in a place, in a direction that it doesn't normally go in, which you're not allowed to in this case. So we're going to, it's like, you know, a, a slant like this into the ground is very rarely how you want the ball to go. Or, of course, your most controversial play in college football today, with the advent of Pat Fitzgerald's hated RPO, the ineligible man downfield, where it just kind of pats his head. He's like, come on, hey, you, you, know, didn't, you know better. You didn't use this part, this part, the head that I'm pointing to right now. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta use that when you're thinking about where you should be blocking on this RPO. So before we get into this week's previews, we'll go a little bit further with our theme of minf uh, for this minf. week. If a Big Ten coach was in charge of your favorite NFL team, which coach would make you the most furious, and why do you think of anyone other than Pat Fitzgerald for even a second? I mean. Because I already feel like I had Pat Fitzgerald running <laughs> the Packers just with more talent on the offense. Understandable. Um, Matt the Flower is, uh, I don't know, it's hard to really evaluate the differences, but uh, definitely doesn't seem to be as much of an 18-yard field goal enthusiast. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, was was Aaron Rodgers under late stage McCarthy really anything other than Hunter Johnson at Northwestern right now? Uh, there's there's no question that the most NFL coach by a mile is Pat Fitzgerald, if only because we know he's a company man and he's gonna do what he can to break up that goddamn union. So, yeah, and you know, as far as Hunter Johnson is concerned, uh, we echo the uh, president of the United States when he screams on Twitter every few hours, "Where's Hunter?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we'll move ahead now to the Week 8 previews. Week 8 already, can you believe it? Fortunately, my team's not playing. Thank Christ. Nebraska also on the bye. I have to assume their fans are similarly relieved after a couple of the results they've put up recently. Uh, boy, this is, this is going to be... <laughs> 
Lambs to the slaughter week. I really thought coming into the season, I mean, we agreed that Ohio State was probably the best team in the conference, probably by head and shoulders. But there's definitely a couple other teams that are tier substantially above the rest, such that what we usually refer to as the mushy middle is really, it's, it's like, it's more of an underclass this year than it usually is. Well, there, okay, so there's, there's, there's like a, there's a, there's a tier one, which is <clears throat> Ohio State. Uh, there's a tier two that's really Wisconsin and Penn State, only because we can't really evaluate how Penn State and Wisconsin compare directly yet. Um, Until they play Ohio State. They don't play, they don't play each other, but Wisconsin and Ohio State play. Obviously, Penn State and Ohio State. Well, Penn play. State and Michigan, of course, play. That's the whole reason that we're bringing this up. So that that's one possible data point. Oh, there's Super Bag Dan Vitale. Um, a lot of Northwestern players on your favorite team here. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, you know what? Once they've thrown off the uh, shackles of Northwestern hood and uh, graduated to go on to bigger, better things like not being anybody's boss. Oh my God! I cannot. But wow, wow! Off both hands. Wide open with nobody around. Yeah, well, I'm playing. That man is clutching his cheese head. My only interest in this game is that I have one matchup where my opponent has Aaron Jones, and I have Aaron Rodgers, Jimmy Graham, and the Packers' defense. And somehow, if that play had gone for a touchdown, it still would have managed to go against me because he's throwing the one guy that I need him to not throw to. So If you I'm saw the still that. from way, the way that play developed, you would not believe that that doesn't end in a touchdown. That's why he's a running back, not a receiver, right? Yep. Um, Aaron Jones out of UT El Paso, which only people that played vehement amounts of fantasy football in college level really uh, knew where he was at. Us and our audience, in other words. So Yeah. Um, you referenced it, though. Not Kind of the game of the week in the conference. Some For some reason, game day decided to come and watch this. Penn State hosting Michigan. Yeah, I mean, it's because of this Michigan hype, to be perfectly honest. I mean, it might as well be Penn State at at, at, at Penn State hosting Iowa, um, which I guess would still be similarly lit, except, you know, Iowa's probably not going to sleepwalk through an entire quarter and a half against Illinois. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is there's a decided lack of sizzle matchups around the rest of the country. I mean, what are they going to do, go to Oregon at Washington? That would be acknowledging the Pac-12 exists. Yeah, and the other ranked matchup is Utah and Arizona State. Yeah. Which nobody wants. You know, if, if, if the Pac-12, the Pac-12 North is like the Mac West, well, the Pac-12 South is the, the Mac East, where even if the teams are better, nobody really wants to talk about them because they're not the ones that have been relevant recently. Right. Um, so, yeah, the top of the Big Ten, there's like three relatively unimpeachable teams, and then Iowa repeatedly knocking on the door and being told to go away. Yeah, of the three at the top, though, Penn State probably is the one with the most question marks. Um, they are Their offense is still kind of reliant on the big play. They're not quite as able to draw, grind out long drives the way they used to. They're still doing kind of this running back by committee, although at this point I think it's pretty clear Noah Kane is their best running back. But if they're not getting a big play from Hamler, it's most likely that the drive is going to peter out at some point. And, you know, it's hard to understand exactly why, because Sean Clifford has looked fine for the most part. His stats always level out pretty well, but uh, this Penn State offense still isn't really quite what it should be, given especially the talent and, and the backs and receiver groups. I mean, they should be putting up video game numbers. You could attribute part of that to the new quarterback, to the shuffling on the offensive line from last year. But halfway into the season, I thought we'd be seeing a little more out of the Penn State offense. That said, though, I think they're still the better team overall by a pretty wide margin. What is with that psychedelic captain's patch? I saw that. You see that? Yeah. That... 
that was that was bizarre. Well, it was is like that... the holograph sticker they put on hats. Like they want you to. <laughs> oh, hey, that's what it is. It's like hey, if you buy this merch, you get this holographic sticker Ooh. on it. Although he's yeah. the only one who's got it. You gotta buy the Rogers jersey if you want the psychedelic sticker. Really, you sure <clears> that I can't? Uh... I can't get a, uh, a Dan Vitale one and put it... Uh, no, a uh, Rashawn Gary. Make him a captain on the, the football team that is apparently being assembled in my closet. <laughs> so, Illinois versus Wisconsin. Let's get gray. Don't, don't do it. We're probably <clears throat> going to be wearing gray again, which is one of the many reasons that I'm not going to this one. I will be in Champagne, so I don't know. You are so full of shit you're going to this game. <laughs> I'm not going to this game. <laughs> I didn't go to Illinois versus Wisconsin two years ago, and I okay. and uh, I was much happier doing that. Wisconsin could do any number of things ranging from blowout to gentleman's blowout, which was what they did to us a couple years ago. Um, even if Wisconsin does what Michigan did to us uh, and just go up three or four scores and act like it's a scrimmage, this is still going to be bad because Wisconsin well, yeah, because seems to be much better coached than Michigan. Right, and Wisconsin's defense is good enough that even if they're treating it like a scrimmage, you're not going to be able to move. You're not going to. Illinois' offense is not doing anything against Wisconsin's base defense. The only really, the only real questions. There's two points of intrigue in this game. One is Wisconsin try to get Taylor some more press by going for some records here because they absolutely could. Because the Illini linebackers keep getting blocked out of the play by wide receivers. Um, if they wanted to, and I, and I'm serious about this, if they want to make a statement for Jonathan Taylor, yeah, they could absolutely game plan to. You know, have him be their leading rusher and receiver and, you know, do six touchdowns and go for a yardage record. Hey, There's man, no I'm, reason they couldn't do it. I'm deploying him in JMC. Let's go for let's go for 600 yards. Let's see if we can do that for the, with a non-quarterback player. And the other question is, does Lovey Smith get fired after this game? You, th- you predicted that he would. Do you still, are you still standing by that? I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, we announced that we're apparently, instead of playing Nebraska in November at home, in 2021, like we was originally on our schedule, we're we're apparently moving that up to August and moving it to Dublin for some reason. And you and a lot of your fellows are poo-pooing this move. I think it's a brilliant competitive advantage because think how much harder it's going to be for Nebraska fans to travel to Ireland than just to Champaign. There may there it may only be 70 percent. Nebraska fans at this game instead of damn close to 100 like it was this year. Well, I feel like this was just yet another thing about our outreach to Nebraska fans and making Nebraska games uh, against Illinois really pleasant affairs for them to attend. Uh, We had some ludicrous ticket special for that specific game like back in the offseason that a bunch of Nebraska fans took advantage of. But, you know... Jimmy Graham, you bumbling, bumbling (laughs) son of a bitch. Not that I need him this week, but... As part of our athletic director's press conference today, he said that, you know, our plan involves fielding a a high-level football team and going over and getting a high-level win. So if the plan involves fielding a high-level football team, then um, obviously he does plan on firing Lovey Smith because that's just not really possible. Of course, I don't know. He might have said, we're going to field a high-level football team in 2021, but not a second before 2021. (laughs) High-level football team. Bold strategy. Um, There's a too-much-man penalty on the loins. And that's bo- that's what you get. That's when you get both hands on the head. Like, come on. You really should think. There's just too much, you man. You should have thought more. Um, oh, boy. Matthew Stafford on the sideline with what is apparently the color rush helmet, which is just, or hat, which is just 
gray, but with a weird-ass psychedelic stripe on the side of it, which I'm worried that I might see on Illinois on Saturday. What, a psychedelic neon silvery metallic not one of your colors? Well, why would they put it on a uniform then? Well, the only thing I know I won't see on the uniform is the color orange, because that's... Uh, that would be dumb. So yeah. So, speaking, speaking of, of dumb, speaking of dumb, yes, sir, Northwestern and Ohio State. Yeah, I like that in both uh, both of the Big Ten programs in the state of Illinois are kind of doing the same thing. I'm just seeing how bad it's going to get. So there's some big 2013 energy here. <laughs> yeah. Um, but is it possible that this is one of those incredibly stupid Northwestern game where nobody's happy afterwards? Of course, because it's a Northwestern game. Because I can see Ohio State gaining 600 yards in a 10 to 7 overtime win. <laughs> Their fans just screaming for your offensive coordinator's job. I could also uh, see a 67 yeah. to 65 win with like six defensive touchdowns. I don't know if I would say that because I think the odds that Northwestern scores more than 20 altogether are scant. Like I really don't think it's going to happen. Uh, all right, well you're the right one. You can score. Um, Boom! Touchdown! Is that uh, Williams. Yeah, Jamal Williams? I really like what Lambeau Field does with their with their floodlights when they score a touchdown. They do this little twinkly light show thing that I, I don't think I've seen before this year. Hmm. It's an interesting little touch. You can do a Lambeau leap. It looks like, even the first time I saw it, I was a little concerned that it was my TV, and then I was a little concerned about a, a Superdome incident happening, <laughs> a Superdome Super Bowl incident happening. Anyway. Um, I'm probably wrong about the idea that Northwestern is going to get really spoopy for no, Ohio State. I, I can't see it, but look. But it happens so often. It happens so often. They get as they Pat, gave Wisconsin a fight somehow. As Pat Fitzgerald defiantly pointed out in his press conference today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we we scored the most of anybody on Wisconsin. So did you write an article about that? No, because that's a shitty thing to write an article about. Who's going to click on that article? <laughs> <laughs> didn't, the, didn't the reporter write back, well, I tweeted about it. Yes, and then <laughs> to which Pat Fitzgerald said, Well, la-dee-da! <laughs> How dare you try to reach your market, you professional. Uh, God, so then, speaking of slaughter, we've got Butger versus Boat. Boatgers! Who boy. Uh, yeah. Mm, this, this plays into Minnesota's preferred game plan. I mean... They might not have to throw the ball literally at all to win this game by 40. Minnesota is overrated, but this is the Gers we're talking But we talk about the Gers. Well, and we say they're overrated. They just became rated for the first time this week, and they're 6-0. and True. you got to give them, at some point, you have to give them credit for being undefeated, and they will absolutely be undefeated by a pretty wide margin after this game. That said, if by some unusual twist of fate, this game is closer than, say, three scores at any point in the second half. We are going to mock you relentlessly and continue to call P.J. Fleck a sham artist. I mean, not that he's not. He can totally coach a winning football team and still be that, but yeah, uh, anything short of a massacre is funny here. Yeah. I don't know I that I have anything else. No, we're not going to. This is going to be a massacre. Tune out after the first quarter. Maryland versus Indiana. Finally, Indiana gets to face off a team that's somewhere between Rutgers and Michigan State. Yeah. Um, <laughs> although, again, how much of a gap there is between, at least on the offensive side, between Rutgers and Michigan State right now, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Maryland's path to victory is against this guy. I think the one thing I can't get out of my head with Indiana, again, is that their defense let Michigan State score and run up a bunch of yards on them. Like, that's the thing that keeps me from buying into them being quite a good team, notwithstanding the Ohio State result as well. 
but what about that time they let Michigan State's offense work against them? <laughs> like that's that's the only thing yeah, holding that me is back so from. So weird. I can't do nine Windiana, but eight Windiana could certainly be a thing. Um, I do think they win this game. But that's kind of the only place where their defense has failed to show up. Yeah. Otherwise, well, I mean, obviously against Ohio State, <laughs> but like, like the one time. But yeah, I, this. Indiana's the better team. I mean, we can't, we don't often say that about them against in conference opponents, except for the very, very worst teams in the Big Ten. But Indiana's the better team in this game. They should win quite comfortably. That being said, it would be very on brand for Indiana football to face plant in this moment, right when they're getting some confidence built. You know, right when they're kind of, hey, maybe even after losing to them, we displace Michigan State for that fourth place spot in the Big Ten East. Maybe we, I'm not going to say it because it'll, me speaking it will not get out of existence. I really want to see it happen. You know what I'm talking well, about. Well, you know what? Let's let's just say this, okay? Um, that if Maryland is the better team here, they're going to win by, like, 70 points. Because apparently when they're the better <laughs> team, they win by a lot. If if they're if they're outclassed here, then they're going to lose by a million points. Yeah, there's, there's, whatever the spread is. Unless they are playing Temple, <laughs> they either win big, lose big, Win big, Mama's Fallen Angel, to in the mortal words of Brett Michaels. Last very one. Few poetic things. <laughs> Last one of the year, reuniting a couple of former most hated rivals, Iowa and Purdue. Battle of the, um, I don't know. They up have up. always been at war with Purdue. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you see in this game? This is this is kind of a hard battle of game, what complements black better, yellow or gold? Yellow right. or slightly browner yellow? The answer is Vegas gold. Purdue has the best complementary color here, but they put it back in the box after breaking it out. Was it the TCU game or the Nevada game they wore those? I think it was Nevada. Well, neither of those went particularly well. Yeah. Yeah. So. So Iowa should shut them down, much like Penn State, but there's the possibility for a low-key fun game here. Yeah, there's also the possibility that the progression we've seen from Jack Plummer is real. And that, well, first of all, I mean, the, the performance we saw from David Bell last week was very impressive, but if Rondale Moore returns and you can get the same kind of impact out of Bell, baby, you've got a stew going, um, notwithstanding the fact that the Purdue run game still isn't very much. So, you look perplexed. I am. I just, I, I'm, I'm just not sure how, how Brocephus had such an enormous scene there. By Brocephus, I, of course, mean former Northern Illinois Husky Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I didn't play him this week. Probably should have, but again. <laughs> that was almost the most hilarious interception I've ever seen. Matthew Stafford just lightly tossed a ball under pressure right at defensive tackle Kenny Smith, who uh, unfortunately could not come up with it. Um, I saw a clip today earlier of... And that's former Wisconsin Badger Rick Wagner continuing to not be worth a cent of the money the Lions paid him, or so I'm told by my girlfriend's dad. I saw a real fun clip today of... Uh, the Bears, um, back in the day, like, getting a field goal, like, I, I don't know if it was blocked or if it was just the snap was mishandled, but the holder was Bobby Douglas, and he proceeded to pick up the ball and then throw it to Dick Butkus in the end zone. Yes, I think you, sh I think you posted that. That was... <laughs> That was quite a play, because then, like, <laughs> did he, didn't Buckus, like, stick the ball out in a defender's face, and then the defender, like, swatted it away or something? <laughs> something along those lines. Oh, man. 
One thing that I really want to see that's Illinois football related when I do go to Champaign is I got to see that new Butkus statue. It looks amazing. It's by the same guy that did the red green statue, and it's so long overdue. So I've heard. Last thing we would mention about the Iowa Purdue game before we spiral away from Big Ten football completely is this is a vulnerable Purdue secondary. If you're Iowa and you can't get your offense on track, particularly through the air against this opponent, boy, you. You're going to have some rough times against the better teams in your division that are still left on the schedule, particularly that Wisconsin game. I mean, yeah, I put it this way. If Nate Stanley can't put up pretty good passing numbers against this team, against whom can he do so? Because remember, Tanner Morgan um, completed 95% of his passes against yeah. Purdue. Yeah, this was, he, he had like, those were like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady numbers that... Tanner Morgan, a decent but not remarkable quarterback, was able to put up against this defense. So, Iowa, this is a good opportunity to get right. Purdue's down for a track meet. Maybe just this once, you should kind of let it happen. Obviously, you want to come out on top, and if that's not your style, I can understand the, the urge to avoid it. But you got to figure out this offense sooner or later. Your defense is fine. And even if you give up some points and yards to Purdue, this is a versatile and complicated offense. That's going to happen occasionally. I think you would trade a few more points just for the extra possessions to get your offense back in order. That's just my opinion. Now, the reason in my outline I put this last is because although I think that, you know, ever the, the perception is that the game of the week is uh, Michigan-Penn State, but I actually think that there's a strong possibility that Iowa-Purdue is the most watchable and fun. If only because the two teams are probably the most balanced. I think the odds that we see Penn State just wipe Michigan out with it being their whiteout are pretty high. But I don't know if there's a likely scenario here. I mean, with Michigan or um, Michigan with Purdue's offense, they could build up yeah, a quick lead with, over just about anybody. But... <laughs> with Michigan or the opposite of Purdue. Well, I was just watching Rashawn Gary with a spectacular horse collar tackle. Um, you know, he more than that from the best. Why exactly the Packers chose to pick Rashawn Gary twelfth overall? Is not something I'm ever going to understand. Well, he's a five star, the Heisman candidate, probably. Yeah, he went, to the, he went to the same school as Jabril Peppers. Oh man, so he's got only one degree of separation from Jabril Peppers, which makes him kind of like. Uh, does that make him? Um, well, that's got to make him like Jabril cucumbers, right? <laughs> Jabril kale. Uh, <laughs> let's look around the rest of the country and see if there's anything interesting. We mentioned, of course, that part of the reason game day will be present for what I think will probably be a ritual sacrifice of Michigan is that there aren't a whole lot of other top flight games. We gave you a couple of the Pac-12 possibilities if you feel like staying up late. Oregon at Washington is probably going to be a pretty good game. And then likewise with uh, Utah, Arizona State in terms of, you know, impact, that's an important game in the USC South standings. For entertainment value, if you want to stay out West, do check out Colorado, Washington State. Yeah, that'll be a hilarious shootout. Steven Montez is uh, still the quarterback at Colorado, uh, LaVisca Chenault. They, and then, they remain determined not he, to throw to LaVisca Chenault, but he's still there, we think. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Washington State. I mean, but Colorado also has very little in the way of defense. Yeah, yeah. This one's um, wild. Yeah, so, you know, the, I want to mention something about Penn State and Michigan. Haven't they mostly just killed each other? There's been the a couple blowouts. Games? Yeah, there's like, been a couple blowouts. It's not been all one side, like, because, what, uh, Michigan killed Penn State in 2016, then... Yeah, the year that Penn State won the title. <laughs> yeah. The conference title. And right? didn't yeah. Penn, Penn State killed Michigan 
I think the was it the following year? The Saquon Saquon Barkley, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a weird. It's been a weird series lately. Um, yeah. Not that weird in that Harbaugh's been on the losing end of it against a team that's always ranked. But anyway, um, so yeah, anyway. SMU versus Temple. The American has some interesting things going on. If Temple had won last week, I wonder if they might have considered this for game day. <laughs> not uh, enough money. SMU, the American. SMU is still ranked, are they not? Yeah. Temple would have been ranked probably 18, 19 if they had won last week. Yeah. I th- Look, I mean, when you say not enough money, it's not like the host school pays them 10% of their date or something. Like... They're making the same money broadcasting these games. They would still broadcast Michigan-Penn State. Um, you know, part of the allure for game day for me, to the extent it has any anymore, is when they go to places they haven't been, and you see, you know, they tell stories from that place because they've never been there before. So I get that they don't do much. That's like 20 minutes of their three-hour block, and the most of the rest is just fellating Tua and Joe Burrow now. But um, that would have been – I would have liked to see that. That would have been more interesting to me. Just a thought. Winless Rice might have a chance against UT San Antonio, uh, whose starting quarterback is out for the year. Well, Why sure. exactly is that in my notables? Because, goodbye, Rice! They just, <laughs> they just want to see someone make it out of the ghetto. <laughs> well, you know, if you want to beat the Roadrunners, the way to do it, really, and you've got Rice here, so this could work, is to just fill a bunch of food with little iron pellets and then use a giant magnet to drag him to the sidelines so they keep running out of bounds. And there's no way this can go awry. So this is going to work. Just don't order them from Acme. Look, Rice, I got game plans is all I'm saying. You know how to get a hold of me. I, well, you might not because I'm not on Twitter and there's like 20... I would like to see that. the elaborate Rube Goldberg device of an offense that Rice comes up with for the final act. <laughs> um, because, you know, Probably you know there's always going to be a couple of poorly conceived siege engines. Giant catapult, yeah. Uh. <laughs> oh man, Rice should totally paint a like a tunnel out to the field. No, they should fit they in should, a wall. They should paint a second there. set of field goal posts in the stands, so it looks like there's a. <laughs> and then like yeah, but then but then when UTSA kicks a field goal and it goes through those, the refs are just gonna give them three points anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so Tulane versus Memphis is also happening, and of course. We know this will be on, uh, don't watch this, watch that, as a watch that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the boss is right. Watch that. But are we all just waiting for next week? Ohio State, Wisconsin? Yeah. Or are we all just waiting for next year? Um, I'm not waiting for next year because I have a profound sense of foreboding about my program's long-term status, but I'm waiting for next year in the sense of, like, next basketball year. Like, that's coming up real quick. I really got to start doing those podcasts. Indeed you do. I'm always waiting for next year, except for the times when I'm waiting for like two or three years from now. Um, then that year comes and I find myself waiting for next year again. Come on, Roger. Still a t- touch on the fucking Graham. He's not even on the field. <laughs> it, he probably shouldn't throw it to Graham, actually, if he's not on the field. Because he could probably do it, but... Geronimo. I still can't believe Geronimo Allison made it in the NFL as a whiteout. Like... You know, not not that I'm not happy for him. It's just like I didn't think he had great hands. I didn't think he had like 
He wasn't one of those like, oh man, this guy's got really long arms, so we have to draft him and continuously sign him as though he's a great player. Yeah, I, I can, I still half the time can't figure out what makes an NFL player other than just being more of everything. Because Benny Fowler, well, I think he got cut by the Giants recently, but he was still playing in the NFL despite never really distinguishing himself in the NFL. But like B.J. Cunningham never got a chance. Aaron Burbridge barely played, and I think he's retired now. Tony Lippett got flipped to defense, like. <laughs> I still can't believe Terry Hawthorne didn't catch on the NFL. Yeah, it's still recording, right? I am, actually. I don't know. Should I be? You can probably wrap it up there. Yeah, I could probably wrap it up there. Alan Lazard! Forgot that he was on the Packers. Your source for Big Ten Talk! It's Off Tackle Empire!